Welcome to the podcast, All My Friends Are Therapists. My name is Annie Kendig, and I'm a licensed mental health professional. And although I have my own therapist, my friends always end up filling in the gaps. Each episode will be real talk, mental health topics with a licensed mental health counselor who turns all of her friends into therapists. Emily, welcome to the All My Friends Are Therapist podcast. Thanks for I'm having so me. I'm so happy to have you. Emily and I have known each other since 2014 when we were working in a community mental health agency, yes. which is tough, tough work for anybody who knows. Um, so we really kind of forged our bond there, which was awesome. So, um, But give the audience a little background of what you're doing now. Yes. So after I left that agency, I started doing work in a general mental health clinic uh, with veterans and now work as a suicide prevention case manager with veterans. So what that means is that I am supporting folks who are determined to be at high risk for suicide, helping them get access to their medical care, their mental health care, uh, referral information resources in the community to help them build stability and work towards recovery. Oh my gosh, that is incredible. How do you spend 40 hours a week talking about suicide? Um, <laughs> That's nuts. <laughs> That's a big question. Um, so the first thing I'll say is that my team is amazing. Mm -hmm. I have never had a more supportive team, not to discount our team when we work together. We had a great team. It was a good team. But this team is someone that I know I can go to without hesitation, without question, uh, including our team lead and our management above that. And so wow. that really makes a difference in this work. Um, and outside of the team, uh, it's it's a lot of uh, self-care, which looks like my own therapy, which looks like a supportive family mm -hmm. and yeah. a lot of cuddling with the cats. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Kitties. Well, so that probably gives you some really great um, knowledge in this topic that we're talking about today, which is emotions in the workplace. Yes. So especially coming from community mental health where, you know, emotions can run high, mostly because you're um, stretched very thin. You've got large caseloads. I think my caseload at one point was up to 130. Yes. Uh, you know, you've got large caseloads. Your supervisor also has a large caseload and is doing a lot. So getting supervision time is tough. So a lot of emotions in the workplace because there's lots of stressors in the workplace. But then also now I'm hearing yeah, you do have same amount of kind of emotions and stressors, but that team is really helping you be able to do this job. I mean, Absolutely. That's amazing. So let's kind of get into emotions in the workplace. And I love the idea for this, but, and I have, when you say this, I have like bad memories <laughs> that come up <laughs> because I'm thinking of all of the negative experiences that I have with emotions in the workplace and how it can impact your job and your team and all that kind of stuff. So, but tell me what emotions in the workplace is like not, you know, or like what, what do people yeah. think about emotions in the workplace? Right. So I think a lot of times our first gut reaction is to think about all of the bad situations we've witnessed or experienced, all of the horrible things we may have said in the past. And that's a piece of emotions in the workplace, but it's not the whole story. Mm. 
And, and so there are a lot of ways that we can positively or constructively leverage our emotions in the workplace to help us be more effective, get closer to the outcomes that we want, and be more content with where we are. That's amazing. But but how many workplaces do you think are actually doing those things? Um, more than we think, okay. but not nearly enough. Not nearly enough, right? <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that's that's good. I would I would think that most workplaces are very fearful of highly emotive employees. Absolutely. And I think the way that we even think about what emotions are, we don't um, we tend to want to think of workplaces as being not emotional. That's not the place for emotions to be. Mm. Um, right. Very much like keep, you know, check that stuff at the door. Don't bring that stuff in here. Your home is your home. Work is work, which is pretty sad. Absolutely. And, and just not humanly possible. Our mm. emotions are going to follow us wherever we go. Not to right. mention that as, you know, our work is virtual and we're working from home. We literally aren't leaving the home and therefore <laughs> our emotions are still there. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, that's a totally new challenge now of I'm in the middle of a Zoom call, but my washer and dryer need to be switched and I'm getting a call from my mom. You know, of just like all of these things happening at once because there's no clear delineation anymore. That's really tough. Yes. So then interesting. I wonder if we could kind of weave in here. How do supervisors or um, work environments support emotions in a virtual sense, right? Of like, you're okay, you're no longer doing like in-person anything with people, maybe. Um, how do we manage our emotions now in a virtual space? So it really actually takes more effort in some ways for managers, supervisors, because you don't have those casual conversations as you're walking to the bathroom or right. going to heat up your coffee or something like right. that. It takes some intentional outreach sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. Because you can do it in your group meetings or team meetings. You can do it in scheduled one-on-ones, but we've missed those opportunities for those random or coincidental check-ins. And so supervisors can do this or, you know, leadership can do this by setting the stage in team meetings. You could have a check-in, right? You could reach out to somebody and say, how you doing today? How are things going? Mm -hmm. um, you could observe in a meeting. I noticed that you're feeling pretty angry. You know, wow. what's going on here? Wow. What would you say to supervisors? I'm just thinking like those sound like therapy responses, right? Yeah. Like I, I say those things, right? Yes. Well, and, and therapists are trained to very much attend to the now, right? Of like, oh, I'm seeing right here in this moment that this is what's going on. What would you say to a supervisor who's like, that's not my job? I would say to that supervisor that it may not feel like their job, <laughs> But if that emotion is impacting that employee, and it certainly is, sure. it's affecting their work. But it, what if it's about, like, what's going on at home? Ah, well, our people are still people. Right, still people. They're still humans, right? Whether they're physically in our workplace or they're at home. And there's no separation of that. Sometimes we can compartmentalize. Mm -hmm. But when you have accumulation of stressors, of big life events, mm -hmm. like we're experiencing right now, there's just 
no way for that to completely be separated from us. Wonderful. So let's keep in mind this boss who thinks emotions don't belong in the workplace. What are you going to say to him or her about like, okay, if you keep pretending that emotions don't impact your employees, this is what's going to happen. Like, what's the fallout? So sometimes um, what's going to happen is that the team dynamics bomb. They just go downhill. Mm. When you lose cohesion as a team, your communication breaks down, shared goals start to break down, and productivity breaks down. I think the other thing we have to keep in mind is that it's not just emotions from home life, but it's emotions from work life, too, that are going to get in the way. So when we don't address those What we're really saying is that we're a culture, right? This workplace culture is just going to let people do what they do Mm -hmm. without any accountability or strengthening of skills to handle those difficult emotions. Right. Because how do we even get things done effectively? And also, like, so that people don't hit their jobs, right? Like, I would hate to show up to a place who just... And I have. (laughs) I have had a job like that. Never. Where they just don't. (laughs) That stuff is just not handled. And it's crazy because you'd think, oh, I work with all therapists. We know how to have these types of conversations. We can do this for each other. But we don't. Or, you know, depending on the culture of the workplace or if that's kind of honored and respected, your emotions, um, you may have those conversations or may not. You know, knowing how to do something and putting it into practice are really two different skill sets. What? What? (laughs) Uh, And, you know, it's therapists are also not immune from having intense, difficult emotions. And we're not always going to handle them effectively, too. Agreed. It's just one of those superhuman things that we don't get. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't come with the license. Right. We don't learn that. Well, then that's interesting. Like we are taught to like, okay, if you're having a bad, whatever, going through something, you have now compromised your clinical effectiveness with your clients. And you should really think about that and um, take some time off. So, like, what would you say it takes for you? What would it take for you? I mean, you don't have to be specific, but like, at what point are you going, okay, this is serious. I can't go into work. I would actually maybe be doing harm rather than, you know, and I and I should really take some time off. You know, two instances, unfortunately, are both surrounding death that I struggled with, the death of my cat and the death of my grandma. Yeah. I did not go to work for, I think I actually did go back into the office the next day. Um, after my cat died, yeah, I was still heartbroken, but it felt like that was, I could be present enough with people sure. that it wasn't going to distract me after the loss of my grandma. There was no way I could return to work without being distracted. So I think how much of my emotions are going to impact my ability to be present with somebody mm. or is my sensitivity so increased to something that if I was hit by something unexpected, what would happen to my emotions? So am I at my tipping point, basically? Wow. Oh, that's beautiful. Of like being able to, you know, usually we pretty effectively respond to something versus, okay, now I'm just going to be reacting. I'm going to be very reactionary and just like saying what's on the top of my, you know. All that stuff. Yes. Well, I love to hear that 
um, you give yourself that grace and that honor for like the death of your cat where somebody would, uh, somebody else would go, come on. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, hundred <laughs> percent. But who, but who cares? Right. Like if you need to take that time and, and honoring that for yourself and then also kind of bringing this back to the workplace, right? Like if I have a workplace that honors that for me also that is sending those messages saying, yes, that's important. The death, you know, cats are around a long time. They're a part of the family there. Absolutely. Take that time. That's a very different message. That's pretty powerful. Absolutely. And I think that what I have to stop here and do is to recognize the privilege that comes with that. What do you mean? I have always had a workplace that had leave that I could take, that I had managers who were supportive of my need to take time off in those particular moments. Mm. Not all companies have those kinds of policies. Not all managers have that perspective. You know, so the idea that I could take that time off or that was even an option for me is a privilege that a lot of people don't have. True. And Mm -hmm. so if you don't have that option, what do you do then? And I think that's a much more difficult question to answer. Mm. Um, But so um, let's pull that thread and for somebody who is, let's say, interviewing, right? Maybe they're trying to find that place. They don't have it in the workplace that they have, and maybe they're trying to go elsewhere and find it or whatever. What might somebody who's maybe a new hire or an interviewee be looking for in order to kind of gauge this, what you were referring to earlier, but didn't say the psychological safety? Um, And I want you to kind of define that for us. So let's do that first. So what is psychological safety and why does it matter about this emotions in the workplace stuff? Gotcha. So psychological safety is as briefly as I can be. It's <laughs> where we feel that we can be vulnerable in conversations with our coworkers, mm-hmm. our colleagues. And you can have psychological safety in other places, right? You can have it at home or sure. with friend groups. But in this situation, we're talking about with our coworkers, with our bosses. So do we feel like we can freely speak, share ideas, even discuss or bring up an error? Oh, um, yeah. You know, in, in my workplace, one of our annual survey questions is, do you feel like you could go to your supervisor to report an error without retaliation or or harm. Oh, wow. That's big. Oh, I like that a lot. Yes. So so psychological safety is being able to have those conversations. But I love your question about how do how do we ask about that? Mm-hmm. And there's there's a little bit of risk that can come with that, right? Because you don't want to be like, do you have psychological safety here, please? <laughs> can you check this box? And they're like, oh, yes, yes, we do. Right this way. I'll show you it. Right. Or it's like an interviewee. You're going to be like, so what's your leave policy when a grandparent dies? Right. Or like, what if I'm just feeling really sad that day? Can I take off? Yeah. Like, that's hard. You're right. Like, so how do you that's so how do you ask that question or try to get at that information without uh, being obvious about yeah. it? Um, maybe you would ask something like, how does your team handle difficult conversations? Right. Or, uh, how do you support your employees when an issue arises? Oh, that's beautiful. Damn, Emily. 
Okay. 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 Because my first thought was like, okay, maybe you're kind of walking around, touring the place, and you're noticing conversations between peers. Like, what would be things that, like, you would want peers to be saying to each other? Or what would you want to be hearing? You know, and I'm thinking about this, and I don't even know because my past experiences are also leading me to think, well, how do I know what they're saying and doing as I'm touring? They know I'm a potential candidate. Right. Are they being their real selves? Sure. Okay. Well, all right. But that's <laughs> Emily. Past okay. Let's not. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. Set the paranoia aside and let's pretend that these people are real or that you're like sitting in a team meeting, let's yeah. say, or how about you're a fly on the wall, you know, things like that. Right. I, I would want to hear things like, you know, I hear what you're saying, you know, Annie, and I want to share this other perspective. Mm. Or I'm noticing that we're all feeling really heated. How about we take a five-minute break and come back? You know, and in that five minutes, do what you need to do. Calm yourself down. Go for a walk. Take some notes. Yeah. Or I'm always interested in when people are given constructive criticism, what that person's reaction is. Yeah. Right? Like, if that person getting the criticism is like, oh, okay, yeah, I can see that, you know, like depending on what that um, reaction is, I think that sends a lot of signals as well. I love that. Yes. I'm even thinking of um, an example. I reached out to a coworker once who seemed off her game right? hmm. and gave her that feedback and I'm just imagining like someone having witnessed that conversation between us. Yeah. That would have been a a sign, an absolute sign of a coworker coming to you with concern, without judgment. Hey, what's going on? I noticed that you haven't been yourself. Um wow. and then she was totally receptive to it. But that conversation was able to happen because there was already that foundation of psychological safety, correct? Yes. Wonderful. Yes. And that type of conversation only adds to it. Correct. Right. right? You know, it's another kind of supportive foundational thing to the overall structure of safety. So I'm kind of imagining this going poorly, (laughs) right? Like, let's tug at that thread now, right? Okay. So let's say I go up to a coworker or another fellow therapist or whatever, and I'm you know, I've got my therapist look on and I'm, you know, I put my therapist face on, I put my therapist tone on and all that kind of stuff. And they go, (laughs) right. I have my coffee in my hand, right? Like everything. And they accuse me of therapizing them. Ah, you know, I have had that happen to me. I think all therapists have had that happen to them, whether it's it's the worst. Coworkers, I hate it. Why does miserable. it suck? Yeah, why does that suck so bad? Because you'd think therapy's wonderful, right? <laughs> like, doesn't everybody think therapy and therapists are wonderful? Is this my own reality check that I need to do? I'm staring out the window right now like, oh, my God, dun, dun, dun. Um, right, but, like, you'd think, like, a calm and gentle tone, a, a non-judgmental, you know, response, things like that would be wonderful. If that's what therapizing means... Why is that a bad thing? So some of it, as we're talking about this, I'm thinking some of this is a defense, right? Because Mm. if someone's coming to me with concern, is something really wrong? Is, Is there something that I need to acknowledge that maybe I haven't been willing to do because I've been putting on this facade or dealing with it in a more superficial kind of way? Um, so it, it can be a defense like, oh no, 
if a therapist is talking to me like this, does this mean that that I need therapy? Ah, yes, <laughs> or right. There's something wrong that I need to address, and there's discomfort with that. I also think that it's just unfamiliar. We're not used to someone coming to us and saying, "Hey, I noticed this yeah. thing. Are you okay?" Yeah. Um. So. You know, but I, I think we've, like I said, we've all had family do it. And the other thing is, like, this isn't therapy. I, I hate to tell this to you. I'm just being a good human. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this is just good communication. Right. This, this is healthy, That's guys. what I feel. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I feel. But, yeah, like, if you think that I'm just supposed to be like, yeah, man, that sucks. You know, which I think I've done in some things because I'm fearful of being accused of therapizing. And I... And so then I will very deliberately take off my therapy hat, you know, if I'm with family or friends and I don't want to respond that way. And I'm thinking like, okay, how would a lay person, <laughs> you know, <laughs> how would a normal person respond, not a therapist? But I don't like that. You know, I don't like surface, shallow conversations. Like right. I'm ready to be like, how, how did you feel about that? Like what, what was going through your head in those moments? Like I'm ready for that. But other people may not be. Well, and so what you just said, you know, I think we also don't do a good enough job most of the time talking about our emotions. Yeah. We think that therapy is the only place where we're supposed to do that. Oh, man. Highlight, exclamation. Absolutely. Wow. But, but that's just not the reality. Right. Well, because even the things that you were saying, right, like, hey, I'm feeling really heated by this conversation or I'm noticing a lot of really tense emotions. Let's take a break. People don't talk like that outside of, <laughs> outside of a therapy office. And hearing that modeled then in a more macro sense, as we were talking earlier, like, that's wonderful. If I had a supervisor, which I have wonderfully, wonderful, wonderful Kalpana supervisors. Yes. <laughs> we, Emily and I both had a supervisor, Kalpana, we love you, um, who would say things like, how are you doing? Yes. And, and what's genuinely going meant on? it. And yes. wanted the real answer. Wanted to know. Yes. Wonderful. And what was the phrase that you had mentioned earlier? Um, Oh. What was it? A um, I, I can't remember who would say it to you. It was something about reality. Oh, right. So um, the question is, and I read this in a book, uh, I believe it was by Cy Wakeman, but uh, what is the part of reality that you're struggling with? Unbelievable. <laughs> what a wonderful question. What part of reality or what's the part of reality that you're struggling with right now? If I had a supervisor that asked me that, unbelievable. And I love how blunt it is. It's uh -huh. like, this is your reality. You know, this is this projection here is is your yes. perceived reality. What's what's what are you having a really hard time with right now? <laughs> I wonder. I love that. That's so wonderful. I like it a lot. So many times in the workplace, when emotions are coming out, it's because there is a reality that someone's not happy with, or that a lot of someone's aren't happy mm. with, and maybe it's a limit that we've hit on a particular project, or uh, you know, finances aren't what they're supposed to be. Sure. Right? It can be a lot of different things, but, you know, it's some part of reality that we're not coping well with, or maybe that we just don't even agree on. But phrasing it and like setting it up as just like, 
this is the reality that you're given. This isn't just an issue. This isn't an obstacle. This isn't something that you have to just get through and woe is me and you're the victim for having to go through it. It's no, this is your reality. This is just kind of what you're going. I love that. The the validation and the honor in that is just beautiful. I love yes. Um, okay. Any other things about, we were kind of breaking this up into like micro and macro um, interactions. So what can the what can the company do to honor emotions in the workplace? And then what do you want to kind of see on a peer-to-peer level, that that uh, micro level? Anything else there that you wanted to touch on? We talked about policies, um, things that supervisors can say and do to model and support. Um, you, you know, I think the other thing that I would say is that we could talk about company policies. So right. what do um, how is the time off set up? How is healthcare set up? Mm. How, um, right. Like I want to know that my company is reimbursing or covering mental health coverage. If I want to go see a therapist, right. Do they have EAP? Do they bring in, you know, depending on the company, do they bring in a consultant? Do you do team building activities? How do you work on communication or what communication standards are set? Mm. And what's how about what's the like policy for going about settling disputes or settling issues? Like, isn't there usually some sort of like reprimand? Maybe not reprimand's a bad word, but like there's some sort of mediation. Th- thank you. Yes, Jesus. we got there. <laughs> <laughs> Teamwork makes the dream work. So um, I've heard of this idea. Um, I want to know your thoughts. Sad and, okay, sick days. We all know sick days. What about sad days? Companies honoring sad days. I have also heard of sad days. I've also heard it referred to as mental health days. Sure, yes. Right? And I I love it because it gives acknowledgement that there are times when our emotions can be the reason we can't show up today yeah. Uh, or that the, the weight of the world is just too much and we can't be there. So I really like them in concept. I also think that in practice, depending on the organization, it may not work out as well because you don't want to call in sad because you don't want your boss to know you're feeling sad. Yeah. Uh, but the idea that we are going to be flexible and give people time off to take care of themselves so that they can show up uh, as their best possible selves right. the next day or the next week, the next month, whatever it is. I love the message that that sends to employees. Yeah. That we recognize that your mental health is just as important as your physical health. Mm-hmm. And for so long, we did not treat our mental health that way. And in many ways, we still don't. Do you think people are getting better now with all this remote work and things like that, that employers are better at like, hey, you got something to take care of during the day, you go do it. You know, like they're more flexible in that. I think it depends. Um, Emily, just give me a yes or no. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, no, we don't do that. I think it depends because, you know, so because I work in mental health, most of the people I know that are working from home are therapists. Mm-hmm. And their schedules haven't changed. They're still seeing six hours of people during the day. There's no flexibility in that. Right. You know, for some agencies that have set hours, there's no room. So for them, it hasn't changed. It hasn't gotten more flexible. And also, by the way, they're dealing with things that happen when you're at home. Like 
your cat barfing or something like that. Right. <laughs> Do you speak from experience? <laughs> Not at all. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. So, and but I think that's kind of a good litmus test now that we've been through it. Yeah. We know how our companies are handling these things. And I don't know. This is also making me feel like, okay, the way I want to set up my practice, the way that I want to have these relationships and conversations with therapists that I work with, um, being able to set this up and model this really excites me. Yes. I can't wait. This was awesome. Any other last minute things you'd like to add or anything we forgot about? You know, I think what I would just say is the big take-home message, you know, when we're talking about emotions in the workplace, is we've got to challenge that myth that we can just leave our emotions at the door. Because whether it's emotions from home life or emotions from work life, they're going to show up. Mm -hmm. And when we can leverage them effectively, when we can get curious about them and try to understand what's going on, we're actually far more effective than we would be, right? If if I'm avoiding dealing with my emotions, I'm preoccupied for an hour. But if I can sit down for 15 minutes, deal with what's going on, come up with a plan, that's 45 minutes of my life, not just my workday, but my life I've gotten back. Yes. And I love like that image to me is somebody who's very mindful yes, and very intentional and not trying to task switch, yes. right? We think, oh, we're really good multitaskers. I can deal with this thing at home while I'm in this meeting. No, don't. <laughs> because you're less effective at both. Like set the side, set aside the time, give it the time and the energy and the effort that it deserves and then move on and you will be better for it. I love Absolutely. that. Absolutely. All right. Are you ready for your lightning round? Yes, let's yes. go. We don't prepare for this, but you know what it is. Okay. Yes. So I stole this from um, Rain Wilson's and Reza Aslan's podcast um, about life's big questions. I can't. Oh, it's called Metaphysical Milkshake. Yes. Wonderful podcast. I have um, listened to that before. It's so good. And at the end, they do a lightning round. And because their podcast is about answering life's big questions, it's hilarious that they do these lightning round questions and they're like the most philosophical, big, you know, um, questions you could ask somebody, but mine are a little different, but I still like the lightning round idea. Okay. So here we go. Um, what is one thing you would want everybody to know? Doesn't have to be about you. I would just say you are loved. (gasps) Why is emotions in the workplace an important topic for you because I've seen the harm that it can cause and I see the potential for what it can be like if we get a good handle on it what is the most used app on your phone Ooh, uh, probably either Facebook or TikTok (laughs) what's the last book you read I am currently reading uh Wicked so it's in progress we'll say um, what part of reality are you really struggling with right now? Oh. <laughs> you knew you were going to get that one. <laughs> um, honestly, I think the idea of war and, and the harm that can people uh, that people can bring on to another. Beautiful. 
Thank you so much for being here, Emily. Thanks for having me, Annie. This is so fun. Okay. Thank you.